I think teams are just playing more physical I and mean, we just got to be more precise. You know, when a team, you know, wants it more and, and like tonight, I think they just wanted it. They played last night. They played a tough game last night and they, you couldn't tell by the uh, way they played. So um, for us, we just got to be able to hone in and focus. Um, teams are going to go out there and, you know, try and come at us, you know, whether it's through physicality or energy, whatever it may be. Um, we just got to be ready for it. And we, ha- I can't say we have been uh, for the past few games. There's Donovan Mitchell. PK, there were a lot of truths spoken in the post-game Zoom session last night. When those will be translated to action on the court is an open question. Many Jazz fans are hoping the correct answer is tonight in Tampa against Toronto. But Washington did play like the more motivated team, like they wanted it more. Uh, There were other things that came out of that. Uh, Joe Ingles had a couple of good lines. One of them was... um, he was talking about all the mistakes at, uh, at both ends of Florida. He says, you know, if we keep doing this, it's going to be a long second half of the season. Yeah, he did. And then the other thing he said is, you know, when we do the right things at both ends of the courts, paraphrasing here, he said, we're a pretty good effing team. Also, Rudy Gobert, and I just couldn't help but think of you sitting on the bleachers talking to him because Rudy, in this regard, hasn't changed a bit. You know, what's the problem? He says, we're not tough enough. <laughs> we're just not tough enough. And he also said, um, kind of addressing an air of entitlement or accomplishment because they have the best record in the NBA, because they won 20 out of 21 with those 9- and 11-game win streaks sandwiched around that Denver loss. And Rudy said, we haven't accomplished bleep. You don't get a trophy for having the best record in the NBA on March 19th. And despite their recent woes and going 5-6 and six in the last 11 games and looking really bad in some of the wins, actually, and then also obviously struggling in the losses, uh, they still have the best record in the NBA. But you don't get a trophy for that, and Rudy, we haven't accomplished bleep. Oh, now, I'd agree. When, yeah, I'd, I agreed with all that stuff. It's just, okay, now you realize it. You realize it to the point you can now say it in a Zoom session. So when does it translate into coming out in the first quarter and not turning the ball over? During the third quarter of that game, when Royce O'Neal knows Donovan Mitchell is on his left, but either doesn't, well, he didn't make eye contact with Mitchell and know where he was, and he whips a no-look pass, and Donovan's not running at the pace Royce thinks he is, and he just throws the ball out of bounds, and they cut to Quinn, and Quinn's head just drops, and he just kind of like pulls the mask up over his face a little more. I mean, that said it all. There was no defense that did that. And it was just one guy throwing the ball out of bounds, and the other guy not running hard enough to get to the spot where his teammate thought he was going to be. It was pretty basic stuff, and they couldn't do it. Well, if that said it all, then we're in trouble because, I mean, we talk for a living. <laughs> so I would hesitate, hesitate so they say, to say that said it all. Yeah, because yeah, then that just leaves us, you know, wordless and we can't be wordless. No, we if we sit here quietly, words. you know, I did work in college radio with someone who screwed up and there was a lot of dead air and they defended it by saying, well, some people like quiet. I'm like, yeah, those people turn off the radio. Come on. You know. You can pause for dramatic effect. I don't know Absolutely. They're saying all the right things, but I'm sick of it. That, that game, of all the losses, that game got under my skin right from the start, and it is worse than any game that's got under my skin this entire season. It really, really bugged me because you could just sense a casual attitude and you can't be casual about anything 
when it comes to this stuff. You just can't. You have to be intense. Intensity, I'm not asking for, you know, you know what to the walls and just have the utmost intensity and be diving for loose balls like there's no tomorrow because there is a tomorrow and tomorrow's today. But you got to find somewhere in between that and just a total casual attitude. And you just felt like, at least I did, and this is my thought watching the game, is that, oh, yeah, we can get down by 10. We did the same thing against Boston and came back and turned it on. And it's like their success, in a way, is almost drowning them in that we're really good and we know we're really good, so we can turn it on and get going. Dangerous. Always dangerous. It's like their success is in a, in a bizarre way is coming back to haunt them a little bit. I totally buy that. I buy that. And I think that uh, while I don't want that uh, crazy intensity, because I don't know that you can sustain that through the rest of the regular season and then two months of the playoffs, just sure. some focus on the basics. You know, looking for your teammate before you throw him the ball so you don't throw it out of bounds. Jordan Clarkson had a turnover late in the game. He had the ball on the right side, and he started to drive, and the defense started to close on him. He made the right play, threw the ball into the, uh, the guy in the corner, and I forget who it was. And whoever it was, uh, it might have been, been Niang or Royce. Whoever it was started to go left, and Clarkson just drifted out of bounds. He didn't get pushed. It wasn't his momentum. He just kind of jogged out of bounds. And then the guy turns to throw him the ball back, and he's trying to get in bounds. He doesn't reestablish himself. I mean, just a complete unforced error. Just when you're running, stay in bounds. That's all we ask. It's, it's not too much to ask. No. You know, it's really basic. And so even if they don't have that super intensity you talk about, just a little focus on the basics would make a big deal, a, a big difference. It would be a big deal. I agree. All right, Rick wants to chime in. You think Rick's going to be over the edge here? Is Rick going to lose it? I think he's going to bring it strong. He's going to bring intensity. Rick, the yeah. dishwasher, good morning. I'll bring the intensity. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, it's totally related to Donovan. Donovan, the first half, even when we were playing great for 30 games, we were behind in every game in the first half. And you're right, every good team – Kind of has the attitude, you know what, let's try to outshoot them since we're the best shooting team. And then if we have to play defense, let's bring it in the you know, fourth quarter. Detroit used to do that a lot. It was a different game then. But Donovan, holy cow, he just shuts every part of his game. On offense, he gets the ball, and the ball stops moving. Hold it four seconds, and now we've limited our options. We can't go through the offense because he's in slow-mo motion. He's not. He's not intent. And remember, I'm talking about the most talented player ever to come to Utah. I'm not slamming him. He's a great kid, a great leader. But, dude, he has got to bring it in the first half because athletically, we have a gold defender, the best in the league. Other than that, we, don't, we can't defend well. I mean, even Rice, who's a great foot defender, doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks. He's the only one who can defend his position. So when you get beat off the dribble – Rudy's got to make a decision, take the ball, or they just dump it to the, you know, his guy. So it, it, it all traces to Donovan. I mean, Donovan's in the first half, can be inefficient, a turnover machine. He slows it down way too much. And in the playoffs, he didn't do that. He brought it right from the whistle. And the Jazz will probably do that. But if they blow this, this uh, number one seed, that's a bad sign. It'll be hard to do that, but. All right, there you go. Thanks for the call. 
Sniggy, you're up, man. I always let a basketball mind be followed <laughs> by a basketball mind. Donovan, it would help if he had better first halves. I mean, it's we've seen it so many times, and you brought it up multiple times, PK. A number of times he goes into the locker room with six points. Get involved early. You don't have to dominate the ball. And absolutely the ball needs to move, without question. There, a lot of these turnovers are happening off the dribble. Defenses are collapsing on them. They got to pass the ball. Get the blender going. Even if you hate the term the blender, the ball's got to move. It's got to move. All right. Yeah. When they are losing, we're going to identify and nitpick and somewhere in between those two categories. I understand that. You know, we saw it again, turning it on with 19 points or whatever it was in the in the fourth quarter or third quarter, and so he went nuts again. We would like to see some more consistency there. But let's spread it around a little bit, and let's have Bogdanovich give us what we think he's capable of giving from the Jazz perspective. And right now it's not happening. I expect you to make open threes. Not every single one of them, but I expect you to make – I mean, I'm totally wide open threes. I'm expecting you to make at least half of them. And it's not happening. And right now, i got to say, when he puts the ball on the floor, my anxiety level goes up. (laughs) We should be able to see your pulse during a game. That would be good. And we should be and, able to see Quinn's pulse during a game. That would be great. And I think that uh, teams know, hey, he can be loose with the ball. We can smack it away. So when Bogdanovich puts the ball on the floor, let's go after it, especially early. Get him off his rhythm because it's not happening. It's not happening consistently for him. It's not happening as consistently as it did last year. And that is impacting the team. And it's obviously more noticeable when they lose. It's not as noticeable as you win. And the wins cover up zits, as they say, all the warts and all that stuff. And when you lose, they don't cover them up nearly as much. They're exposed. So, sure, Donovan have some more consistency in the first half, particularly when you're getting behind. I mean, it's got to wear on these guys to look up and be 31-21 after the first quarter. That's got to be hard on them that uh, just mentally we got to fight back. Because if I can see it sitting on my couch uh, 3,000 miles away, I would think that they would be able to notice it where they are in the moment. It's like, oh, here we go again, man. I'm not a big jump on them, but at least maintain. Stay with them. Don't give these teams that are outmanned so much individual confidence in the moment. Because for them, I mean, for for the Wizards, every single win is monumental because they don't get that many of them. So go ahead and take advantage of it. And that's what the Washington Wizards did. And, yeah, they got two prolific guys and all that stuff. But it just bothers me. It bothers me that you're not given the kind of effort that I expect. And so I, I have to say, though, when this has happened, like, I thought they were going to be in trouble in Boston. I probably would have predicted an L, and then they won it. And then I think, I all right, then they're going to roll in Washington, and then they don't. So now I'm down on them again. So what are they going to do? They're going to beat the uh, Raptors tonight. Okay, but the whole win one, lose one thing, that just makes them 6-6 six and six in the last 12. They need a streak. And they're playing teams that are in the East that aren't as good in the West. They, they and they've got streak. They've got bad records. You know, Washington, even with that win, they're 15-25. and 25. It's like you say, they don't win that often. They're 10 games under. And the Raptors are six games under. And talk about a team that's got a bad, a bad deal. They, they, they're playing the whole year on the road. 
I mean, they're playing in Tampa for their home games. There have been rumors about Lowry getting traded, the trade deadline looming. They're on a six-game losing streak. I mean, win the game. <laughs> right, win the game. Uh, but you can't win get a winning game. streak until you win tonight. That's true. Right. So, uh, I mean, I, I want them to have a winning streak, and that, that's, that's necessary. Uh, you know, I want to see them go 8 out of 10 here, and I want to see it soon because once you do that, then you've just reestablished, and then you're good to go. And then at that point, too, if you win 8 out of 10, well, that puts us into April, and the light at the end of the tunnel is there. We can see it at that point. It's time to, to, to gear up. LeBron's already said that. LeBron's made that statement. What do you make it coming out of the All-Star break? Now's the time to get going, right? This is We're in the second half, and this, this is the time of year when you start building up some momentum, and the Lakers have done that, and they've done that without a very good player. So, my gosh, they're the team to beat, they're, in my mind. It's that, that deal is sealed. They're the team to beat, simple as that. And whoever beats them is going to win the title, whether it's in the conference or it's in the finals. And if nobody beats them, well, then obviously they're winning the NBA title again, or he's winning it again. Not so much the Lakers. It's not. I realize the Lakers would get it, but it's more about LeBron for me. It's like LeBron is winning again. He just happens to be wearing the Laker jersey this time as opposed to the other two jerseys when he won it the other times. That's sort of the way I view LeBron's tenure with the Lakers. I know Laker fans and Larry the Laker want to claim another Laker title, but I, I, it's like to me it's LeBron. He just happens to be wearing your jersey this time. And so good for you, but it's more about this dude because that's how awesome he is. But the Jazz need to reestablish themselves. There's no doubt about it. They absolutely do it. They absolutely need to do it. And, yeah, I want a winning streak too, but you got to start tonight, man. Tonight, I don't want to go crazy because we asked Joe on Wednesday, did you feel that way with Boston? And he admitted it. He sort of did. Well, now I feel it again. I feel it again here, the same feeling I had going into the Boston game. I feel tonight going into Toronto game, the difference being I don't view Toronto obviously as better as as Boston, so you ought to be able to get this win. Get the freaking win. Simple as that. It's tonight. It's 6 o'clock, and the pregame is at 5. It'll be on 97.5 The Zone. You can hear the NCAA tournament on 1280 The Zone, including Scotty G. On the call at 11.45 today. His pregame show starts at 11.15 on 12.80 The Zone. With 11th-ranked Utah State taking on 6th-ranked Texas Tech. Everything we've been talking about this show, next. Stay with us. March Madness is here. And now it's time to put that college basketball knowledge to the test. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge, where you can compete against the Zone hosts as well as Zone listeners. Oh my goodness! Log on now to 1280zonebracket.com to fill out your bracket for a chance to win a Nordic Track X22i bike. Valued at over $2,000 as well as other great prices. It's the Zone Bracket Challenge. Going on now at 1280zonebracket.com. Presented by the store, SNS Roofing, Bullfrog Spas, and Elite Works. Muscling in up top, Campbell down three. Aggressive drive, head fake, bounce pass, Hawkins, head fake, shot good and a foul! And Hawkins back to the line! He can tie the game! Campbell goes with him over top. Leave up high for Aaron Henry. Henry spin move in the lane, floater right hand is good. Controlled by Bernard. Feeds the driver, Riley to the rim, and he jams! Then it strides, soar and dunk it home! 
Highlights from last night's action in the NBA and the NCAA tournament. That was Javier Jaquez there. Went for 27 points and had a huge three-point play to get the game to overtime. The toughest free throw, PK, the free throw you shoot when you're down one. I mean, it's hard to shoot free throws in a tie game or when you're up one or two and you got to put the game away, but down one, ugh, enormous free throw. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. But he got it in, they got to overtime, and they won there. Not a perfect game from UCLA, and they're down 11 at the half. They're actually down more than that in the first half. And they still found a way to win. So a team that I don't think will beat itself, but they aren't the biggest UCLA team. They aren't the fastest, the quickest, the most talented. But if you make stupid mistakes, they will beat you. If you play poised and play well, BYU, you definitely have a chance to win this. You're actually going in as a slight favorite in this game, three and a half points. Yeah, I think the the fastest UCLA team was 95 with Rod Foster. Why are you doing that? No, actually, Ty Sedney. I always get Ty Sedney. Yeah, Foster, Foster was in the 80, on the eighty one team. What are you doing? <laughs> well, he was also on the eighty team. Rocket Thank Rod. You. There you go, Rocket Rod. Uh, the uh, question is up on our Facebook page. Uh, who's going to win that game? Is BYU going to the round of thirty two for the first time since Jimmer? It's been a decade, PK. It has, yeah. Yeah. Long time. It's been 20 years since Utah State won a tournament game and got to the round of 32. They've got a shot against Texas Tech. That game's coming up at 11.45 this morning. Scotty G's got the call, 11.15 for the pregame. So less than two hours to the pregame now. And one thing to watch for with the Aggies. No, oh, well, there's a lot of things. Uh, but uh, keep Kate out of foul trouble. And how does, how does Texas Tech defend Kata? You know, how many guys do they bring to him? I don't think they'll just allow him to go single coverage throughout the course of the game, maybe at the start, see how he handles it. And if he's on, then they bring coverage coming monster in all those basketball terms that you can read up on if you don't know what they are. But then he throws it back out, cross court, uh, you know, wherever it is on the floor who's open. And then what do those guys do with the ball? You know, are they able to attack the basket because there might be a lane, or do they hit their threes? We got college basketball. The other thing is the coaching carousel has started. New Mexico has Richard Patino, the former Minnesota coach, son of Rick, and he says he wants to bring back the magic to New Mexico. So I guess he wants to uh, make the uh, recreate the second most famous uh, escalator descent. In history, we saw the second one, Richie McKay, after winning the conference tournament at the Marriott in Denver, down the escalator to wild applause oh, from I the Loba you. fans, bring back yeah. the, obviously, Donald Trump on his way to the presidency is now the most famous escalator ride, but Richie McKay and the whole room bursting out in applause and you looking up from the nachos to smirk at everyone in the table, I knew what you were thinking, that was hilarious. Those New Mexico fans are really rabid. They want it so, so bad. He got a huge round of applause, and he's waving on the escalator, and we're sitting in the back of this huge dining area. (laughs) Yeah, the downtown Marriott in in Denver. And you're giggling like this is New Mexico at its finest. I'd forgotten about that, but now you you said that. I recalled it uh, as uh, we were there for that moment. Yeah, Rich McKay now at Liberty. I got to know him very well uh, uh, during his time. Uh, he used to call me with stuff, and it's long ago stories now, so they don't really matter. Uh, but he gave me uh, information 
uh, you know, because there's the the uh, hierarchy of the uh, Mountain West beat writers was Andy Katz, overwhelmingly number one. And I was <laughs> glad to see he was on uh, TNT last night. I didn't know he was going to do that. But the, and then you had Natalie, who was number two, and that was a huge gap. You know, that's like naming the best uh, British invasion. Uh, <laughs> bands. You got the Beatles, the Beatles and the Stones. Stones, and then number three. Yeah, there's like a you know. There's a, a long way to the bronze yet. medal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a commercial break while we wait for the uh, the marathon to finish here. Yeah, and then there was me. You know, I through duration and the fact that I covered the best team for so many years, I got in there. So, and let's just say that to the coach of the best team. Didn't have a lot of friends in the conference. <laughs> so there's some negative story with recruiting or whatever. Coaches were sure to pass it along and stir the pot. Yeah. So I go into this gym, and it's a down period. I'm not even supposed to be in the gym, but I open the door, and who's in there giving a guy a workout? <laughs> Everybody's cheating. Everybody, have at it. So you're reporting yourself to have me crack on another person, but you know, let's do our. Sometimes you trade pawns. That's the way in the game of chess. You get ahead. You got to trade pawns. It's just, I don't know what else to tell you. Well, he was working them so out. As, as long as we're going with the hierarchy of Mountain West conference writers, funniest press box Mountain West uh, conference writer. I'll give you the line. You give me the writer. You ready? Yeah, I know where you're going. You do? Yeah, okay, yeah. let's hear it. Then what is it? Uh, Mark Anderson. Yes! yes. <laughs> so that's what this place looks like full. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> when BYU was in the first uh, Vegas Bowl that Bronco brought them in. Uh, Mark Is that Cal? Anderson. It was Cal. Yeah. yeah. Where a couple of prolific musicians, myself and the lead singer from uh, the Counting Crows, rode the elevator up together, Adam Duritz. And <laughs> we just both looked at each other. We both knew we had it going on. He and I... <laughs> He and I were alone. He's a big Cal fan, and he, uh, he and I were alone in the elevator. I don't know how that happened, but never the two of us were in the elevator alone, uh, riding up uh, to the press box level. And there were some great moments. You know, David Hasselhoff walking through that press box with his entourage and his posse. And I was in awe because Hasselhoff was singing the national anthem that, that game. And he walked through. Man, you knew you were in uh, royalty position of just being in royalty and then and another time i was at the hotel and i was on an elevator with sinbad all right sinbad yeah what is sinbad up to he should be doing a show that streams somewhere shouldn't he at the time he was doing a show at the orleans i think and uh so you can always get those. He's uh, ready for a comeback. Come on, Sinbad. Celebrity encounters in Vegas. And there were other great moments. I mean, all those BYU fans are counted. How many BYU fans in, in complete regalia smoking? Was it 21? Yeah, I'm not clear. Honestly, I'm not clear on the number right now. <laughs> Yak hasn't played the drop enough. <laughs> yeah, so that was... Uh, 24 was maybe? Was it two dozen? They were all outside smoking. And full. Full BYU <laughs> regalia. I was at six different uh, Las Vegas Bowls, okay? Uh-huh. And in 2009, I was at the uh, – the, I went out at halftime during the, 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 the game there. And there were – I counted exactly 24 fans in full BYU regalia out smoking cigarettes. 
<laughs> Let me just say, I have lived here uh, and worked here now for, uh, what is it, uh, 28, soon to be 29 years. That is the only time I have ever heard the phrase, full BYU regalia. <laughs> well, two things come to mind on that. Always a couple with you. What the heck were you going outside for? To a person 25. Yeah. Unfiltered. I was going to say, is he <laughs> unfiltered Marlboro? No, no, he's, he's the cigar guy. He's Oh, he's cigar guy. Nice call, Yach. So well done. why was he going outside? And I would venture to say in the history of BYU sports, there has not been an aggregate number of 24 people who smoked and were BYU fans. <laughs> Uh, I would argue with on that one. Unless they were doing the wacky tobacky. And at the time, the wacky tobacky was not legal. Now it's no big deal. You can see that. Uh, But at the time, come on. Okay, BYU fans in smoking in full public view. Uh, 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 uh. (laughs) Sing it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, last UNLV thing here as we uh, get off on our Mountain West Conference rant. Iowa State hired UNLV coach T.J. Otzelberger to be their new coach, 29-30 and 30 in two seasons in Vegas. And I wondered, what has he accomplished to get that job? Well, the important fact is he was an assistant coach twice in Ames. His wife's also a three-time All-American in Iowa. She was a basketball player because Vegas was speculating. I, I look at the Vegas uh, Review Journal from time to time, and they were speculating – uh, a week or so ago that this was going to happen because, yeah. actually, you know, Iowa State sucked. And so it was going to happen that the code, they were going to make a coaching change. And they were talking about how this is likely going to happen. And I saw that his wife was, they mentioned it in there, that was a big-time basketball player. Yep, three-time so, All-American. Yeah, yeah. And now that you say that, I remember reading that. And, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. She obviously was a very good basketball player there. And so – Vegas, you know, it's interesting because you, you got some Mountain West programs that are pretty doggone good, and it's clear Fisher and Dutcher at uh, San Diego State, they're, I think we can say they're the premier basketball program, right? And Craig Smith has got it going on in Logan, and Colorado State has been resurrected to an extent. We'll see what Alford can do there at Nevada, but it looks like he's on the right track, and Boise is usually halfway decent. They won their NIT game. Uh, I think they beat SMU last night by a point. 85 to 84. Uh, and and they, were, they were close to being in the NCAA tournament. But then you have Vegas and New Mexico who desperately, desperately want to get there and just can't seem to do it. And they've got some history and some tradition. They both have had really good fan bases. Oh, but... for sure, yeah. Mexico's fan base, don't underestimate it, man. It's awesome. Unless it's changed. Now, I haven't been there in a few years. I used to go every year, obviously, it's, back in the day. It's the only and, game in town, and, though. They're and not, it was a yeah. big, big deal. I'm telling you, they would get recruits, uh, and they'd send the TV sportscasters at the airport to interview them, and they were just on a recruiting visit. That's how big of a deal. And on Sunday nights, I'm, it hurts, hurts to talk about Sunday night shows. But uh, they would have multiple, during the basketball season, Lobo shows on Sunday nights. So at 10.30, they'd have different stations, each have their own Lobo show, talking about New Mexico basketball. So it is literally the only show in town. And it's going to be so hard for them to be big-time football just on sheer numbers. So it will be interesting if little Ricky 
can bring back the magic. And whoever the next Vegas coach is, if he can bring back the magic. They've got a, uh, a list of 13 potential uh, coaches. Uh, some of them seem like a big reach. Rick Pitino. Yeah. Ben Howland, who's at Mississippi State. Mm. Okay, who else? Joe Pasternak, who's been. Are you talking about winning, Vegas? UCLA. Yeah, this is this is in the this is on uh, Nevada Sportsnet. Okay. Uh, you know who might get the UNLV job? Uh, Russell Turner, the UC Irvine coach, who's been uh, there for not quite a decade, but almost. Um, he's been linked to the UNLV job before, and then seemed not interested. He's done a lot of winning at UC Irvine. I think they've been in a. Conference tournament final five times in seven years. They're usually first or second in the league. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. yeah. Stacy Ogman. Ogman was on Dave Rice's staff when they all got fired. Yeah. Lorenzo Romar. Lorenzo Romar, yeah. That He's at Pepperdine now after a long run at Washington. Oh, uh, yeah. And then he was an uh, interim uh, coach for a couple games when Sean Miller couldn't coach down at Arizona. I spent four hours, five hours with Lorenzo Romar once, uh, driving, flying to the Final Four, and the, the watchdog had sent me down to go to uh, Andre Miller, do a big A1 piece on Andre Miller. as at his house down there in Compton. And so I flew to San Antonio from L.A. Well, we, interestingly enough, we go to Salt Lake. But the guy sitting next to me in the middle seat was Lorenzo Romar. Mm. And uh, we struck up a conversation pretty much the entire flight. He's a good dude. Tommy Lloyd, longtime Gonzaga assistant. Will he ever leave Spokane? Yeah, that is interesting. Will he ever leave Spokane? I mean, he has been uh, Gonzaga's right-hand guy, and he's a celebrity in his own right up there for sure. Uh, Porter Moser, Loyola Chicago's longtime coach. Well, that's just, well, he's a hot guy who, that's like Majerus got listed for every job offer because surely our place is bigger than your place, so he's going to be interested. Some of the places that would list Majerus and some media guy from Pittsburgh or wherever would call me, and the, the most famous one was Rick Buecher on a Saturday night. He's taking the Warrior job. I know he is. I'm going with it. It's like 11 o'clock our time. I'm working a desk shift at the Watchdog down on Main Street. I'm going with it, man. I'm going with it. It's 10 o'clock over in California. And I'm like, okay, Rick, you, you do it, man. You do it, man. You go with it. But let me just tell you, Samuel State had a press release written that he was going to take that job. I mean, they had the press release written and were ready to issue it when he changed his mind if you believe. But I know they had a press release written. So I told Rick, I said, you go with it. Meanwhile, I'm going to uh, put the agate page here to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Moser, funny enough, is a guy who worked for Majerus, so yeah, nice connection there. But there's no connection to UCLA yeah, or no, to, to UNLV. Yeah, to UNLV. Yeah. He's so, just but, he's a name. But, yeah, why would you stay at in this small school in Chicago that is more known for none than it is for you? and uh, you're going to come to UNLV. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be the guy. But it just seems like that man's name gets mentioned for every freaking job opening. Two more UNLV openings that uh, will resonate here in the old beehive state at opposite ends of the state. One is Todd Simon in this list of 13 that Northern Nevada Sportsnet has uh, put out. 
He was UNLV's interim coach after Dave Rice was fired, the former Correct. BYU assistant. Got the head job at Southern Utah. They went 6-27 and year one, 19-3 year two. It says he's done an admirable job there, but if UNLV hires Simon as his head coach, he's been mentioned as a candidate, something's gone very wrong. And that bugs me. That just they want really bugs me. Bigger with yeah. more sizzle. Yeah, how do we know Todd Simon is not one hell of a coach and whatever level he goes, he can win big. And it's like we're just we're creating a, a, a profile, not a racial profile, but a, a coaching profile. And because he's not deemed as big enough, he's not a big enough name. Well, I was never a friggin' big enough <laughs> name. And all I wanted was a shot. I knew I could do the job and just give me a shot, man. That's what I wanted, and I think I proved that I can do the job. And I feel for guys like Todd Simon that this, oh, he's, his, his position or his school isn't big enough. How about the job he did rather than the size of the school? You know, Because he's competing on an, on an even level. And you can argue where he's competing, it's not on an even level because he's out in the middle of nowhere in Cedar City, and not that the big sky places are in glamorous, big-time locations. I mean, Ogden is one of the biggest ones, which has always put the pressure on the uh, Weber State coaches because the, alum, the passionate fan base believes, hey, we're in a metro area. We're not out in eastern Washington or wherever. So it just bothers me that uh, somebody would say that the, the search at Vegas has gone wrong if they hire Todd Simon. How do we know that he's not freaking John Wooden? And the last name, which will resonate at the other end of the state, uh, Tim Miles. It says here, Miles seems like he should be in the mix for any open Mountain West job, considering he built Colorado State from 0-16 in the conference his first season to the NCAA tournament in his fifth. He then left for Nebraska, where he went 116 and 114. Miles is a good program builder and marketer, but he's never finished top three in a Division I conference. Now, we don't know how things are going to play out here with Utah State, but if they don't make it to the Sweet 16... And if Craig Smith does go to Minnesota next Tuesday or Wednesday, I think Miles' name goes right to the top of the list. And, you know, there can be a list, but At Miles— At Utah State you're speaking of? Yeah, because—yes, yeah, I think so. Miles, well, Miles is, gave uh, Craig Smith his start. Exactly. They were together at uh, CSU, and they may have been together before that at another school, but I know they were together at CSU. Scotty would know that backstory better than, better than I do. Uh, but I know they were together there, and they have a bond there. And Miles hasn't coached since he left Nebraska. So he's, not, no. he's available for any of these gigs. I think he's done some TV work. But uh, given how tight he and Craig are, and given his success in the conference, I mean, you gotta you got to look at him right away at Utah State. On okay. the other hand, if that thing isn't happening and uh, UNLV wants him, I mean, that 13 names, the Nevada Sportsnet here is throwing a lot of stuff against the wall. But it's interesting because so many of these coaches, one way or another, you know, they're, they're mostly coming from the West, and they mostly, you know, they cross paths in this state one way or another. How about Christobiak? Uh, that'd be a possibility. They don't have him on the list. They do have Archie Miller out, who uh, is just out in Indiana. Yeah. So he's only been out a week Well, Patino was, the younger Patino was unemployed for a day. Yeah, right? That was all lined up. He knew he was done at Minnesota, and... There's a lot of people who think Craig's all lined up at Minnesota, so we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I have no idea what Larry wants to do, but I'm not going to just label him as a failure as a coach forever by any stretch. He's young enough to get another job, and he did take the youths to the Sweet 16, and that's going to appeal right. to people. And lots of coaches get fired and then get yeah. another job. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. some careers, you get fired. It's this huge black mark on your resume. But in coaching, it's kind of like, 
That didn't work for one reason or another there, but it doesn't mean it can't work here. How many times was right. Pete Carroll fired before he went to USC and took over the world before he went to Seattle and won a Super Bowl? Obviously, and Bill Belichick, too. Yeah. I mean, and then David James Nigeldorf III, you've been fired in television. Uh, can you go to the GM's office and uh, <clears throat> bring your security card with you? Well, believe me, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yach has good news. Yach, tell the people. Well, we got two pieces of good news. Uh, website is back up and running, so that's good news. 1280thezone.com. All of our show audio, uh, interviews, all that stuff will all be there. You also can find it on the podcasting apps you've been using for the last few months as well. But in addition to that, had some technical snafus with the open mic feature, but we do have it fixed now. So if you want to start submitting your audio again, happy to play it on there. What do the people have to say about today's show? We got about 300 votes each predicting the NCAA tournament games. Two thirds of you, 67.7%. Is BYU going to beat UCLA and go to the round of 32 for the first time since Jimmer? Yep, 67.7%. People are on board, PK. Bruins and ruins. Cougars to the round of 32. (laughs) Okay, that'd be awesome. Who will win? Aggies or Red Raiders? Utah State getting 53.7% of the vote. That's 360 votes in. you got a couple hours left. Cast your votes there at uh, David DJ James on Twitter. As far as the Jazz, we're getting a lot of feedback here. The Jazz lose to the Washington Wizards, 131 to 122. Reaction pouring in. Brad says, it's what the Jazz do. Get the hopes up and then dash them. Brother. Uh, Jeremy says, I think that I won the overbet I placed on that game. I also think the defense is uh, more effort than skill, especially when you have the best defensive player on the planet on your team. The Jazz are playing uninspired ball right now. If they had to go with one sentence and all the comments here, I think I would circle that last one from Jeremy. The Jazz are playing uninspired ball right now. I don't think that can be debated. I think that is a slam dunk. All right, well, let's get inspired now. Clint, the more Donovan Mitchell dribbles, the worse his field goal percentage gets. The ISO O isn't working. Further, his usage rate is a career high, while his defensive rating is a career low. It all starts and stops with him. The Jazz go as far as he does. Putting a lot on Donovan. I don't think he's the only guy struggling right now. Okay, but he had over 30, didn't he? He scored it in the second half. I think he finished with 42. So if they go as far as he goes, he scored 42. They would be going very far. I agree. And that 122 points they scored on a night when Rui missed way too many free throws, on a night when Clarkson and Bogdanovich were a combined uh, two of 23, I think, uh, or four of 23, there were a lot of offensive issues, and they still scored 122 points. 122 points ought to win an NBA game. The problem isn't at the offensive end, and they can get better, and certainly the turnovers and their poor transition defense off the rebounds – you know, led to some of the defensive problems, but the problem is that 131 number. They're two and six now when they give up 120 points or more. That means they're 27 and five when the whole team's under 120 points. Play some decent defense, 120 points, 30 per quarter. Man, if your whole team's under that, which shouldn't be that big a deal, you're a very good team. I'm going to go on a fast now to free Urson. How long do you think you could go? 
lunch. <laughs> Give it two hours. Early lunch, 90 minutes. Yeah, I got to have a little food before the Aggies tip at 11.45. And it, it always amazes me, too. I go by uh, uh, in and out at like a quarter to 11, and the line is deep. Man, it's too That early. is so funny you say that. <laughs> I did that yesterday after the show. I had to go down to the, you know, there's one in the Fort Union area. And I was like, yeah. they are already lining up. And it was. It was between 10.30 and 10.45 in the morning. And I'd been by there like at, you know, noon. Well, then it's just going to be, you know, looping around the building. Yeah, it's just too early to get in the burger line. That's my opinion. I mean, you can argue. But, I mean, you were in my hood and you didn't even stop by to say hello. Yeah, I need to. I got something for you, too. I keep forgetting. I got no memory. I've got stuff for you, too, PK, so we might both need to make a visit. (laughs) A pilgrimage, if you will. I'll take what Yak has to give me. What DJ's got to give me isn't good. That's uh, probably true. I know it is. I no, it's exactly. not what you, but it's not what you think it is. But it's still not anything you're going to go, oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Have a good weekend. We will talk to you to Monday morning, 6 to 10. Now, we do have the split coming up here. The Aggie game, if you want to hear it, is going to be on 1280 The Zone. Our regular programming will be on 97.5 The Zone. Game at 11.45, pregame at 11.15 with Scotty G. Jazz at 6 tonight with the pregame at 5 o'clock with David Locke. And you're going to hear the NCAA tournament all weekend on 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.